series about growing and changing in Christ. But before we get to that, I want to lay a couple foundations here as we move along in this series. And one, I want to remind you that uh, this is a year that as a church, we've just said this is a preparation year for us. We're preparing for what is forward. As we went through last month and just talking about starting with our, our core and our core mission and our core values and our core vision and our core outcomes on that. And, and uh, if you're wondering, well, why is, it, why is he dressed like he came in from the back 40? Um, it's just because uh, I'm trying to continue to instill in us, we're, we're on this expedition. Right now we're a base camp, but we're headed for this expedition. And uh, so just subtly, every so often, I'm going to wear the hiking boots. I'm going to wear the, the gig thing here. I'm not going to say anything. It's just you know what's going on. It's a reminder for you on what's taking place. But we desire to be a people that is about pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. That's what we desire to be. And we want to see the Lord do that in us and through us in increasing ways. Core values. We desire to be a people that is intentionally vertical, foundationally scriptural, deeply relational, genuinely authentic. By the way, that was genuinely authentic. We desire to be that. Uh, by God's grace, by 2030, we desire that Radiant Bible Church would permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel, unlike we've ever seen before. Oh God, might that be the case for us? And out of all that, our desire is the outcome of all that is we want to be and we want to see more become worshipers of Christ. Uh, those abiding, walking with Christ, and those who are overflowing out of that and serving or working for Christ. Those are the core of what we want to be. And listen, in all that, it's one thing to say it, and we are not saying it because we're saying that we are all of those. That that is what we're pursuing after. that's, That's the words on the table, God, help us for your glory, that. And it's one thing to say it, it's altogether another thing to be all of that. It's one thing to say that we are about pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. It's, it's another thing to be a people that is in a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. It's one thing to say we want to permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel. It's another thing to actually have the hope of the gospel permeate our lives. Again, like what you just saw with Bradley and Sarah's story. More of that in us more of that in us. And so we are in this time for this is a year of preparation. We're digging deep right now. In fact, uh, from February through June, we're doing this Growing Forward series. What does it look like to grow and change in Christ? We're laying foundation blocks for that. And after Easter, we're going to get into pragmatic, uh, scriptural realities of that. But we're laying the foundation for that. And then later this year, from uh, August to October, it's about uh, as we develop deep roots this year, uh, those roots grow out and sent forward, and what does it look like to be a people that is permeating the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel? Uh, God, that in us. More of those stories. More of those stories. 
A couple weeks ago, I made mention about in this present series of Growing Forward that uh, I would like for you to consider picking uh, two things in your life that you would like to see uh, growth in for God's glory. Uh, By the way, I'm going to drill into that. I'm going to take a few minutes here and explain that a little bit more because I want you after this. Because when I say that, that isn't one of those pastoral things like, yep, good for him. This is each and every one of us. This is a call from God for you. Can I be that blunt? I just guess I was. Here's what I'm asking. For the next two weeks, would you be praying, God, what are two things you would like to see me grow in? in these next five months over this year? Two things, how many? Two, uh, two things. Would you be praying that? I mean, it's kind of like this. God, Lord, if you could send me a text right now with two things in my life that you would like to see me grow in, what would those two be? Listen, this is not about a self-help thing. This is about growing and changing, maturing in Christ for God's glory. Lord, what would be two things in my life that you would like to see me getting after front and center has my attention? Those are the things on Sundays I'm bringing and we're we're, we're getting after. Out of those two, I would like for one of those, just so you know, one of those you can tell anyone. And I mean anyone. You're at the grocery store. And, 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 and Jane Sue walks up to you. It's kind of a unique name. Jane Sue walks up to you and says, hey, I understand you go to Radiant Bible Church and you guys are right now in a, in a process of getting after a couple things and growing in Christ. What's your thing? Oh, by God's grace, I'm growing in. You're not gonna have to sit there and wonder and like go, oh man, I gotta make something up spiritual. Not that. It's like, what's, a, what's the thing? And I'm gonna be telling you what my thing is as we get there. In fact, in two weeks, I'm going to be asking you for what is your one thing you can share anyone. You can share anyone here. You can share in the lobby. You can share to your children. You can share to your parents. You can share to your spouse. You can share with your your, your girlfriend or boyfriend. Or you can share with your friends. You can share with your small group. One thing. One thing. By the way, as I just sit around this and I think of this, I just go, oh my goodness. What a delight that will be for us to be talking and encouraging and praying for one another. I've already told our small group, our small group, we're going to know what each thing, one thing is from each of us, and we're going to pray for it. We're going to encourage for it. We're not in your face. We're for you. Second thing is just between you and the Lord. Just between you and the Lord. It might be a big thing. It might be a dark thing. It might be something you don't want to share with someone. That's not the point of it. The point of it actually is I think I love this idea of instilling something in you and I where it's like me and the Lord are working on something. There's just something that God has going on in me and this is what it is. You don't tell anyone and I'm not going to tell you what mine is. I just love this idea of us tight with the Lord and we got a thing with the Lord. Oh, and by the way, we got a thing together that we're growing in. So how many things? Two. Two. One you can share with anyone. One is just between you and Lord. And if you're like, like, Doug, could you help me with some ideas on it? Well, I'm glad you asked because I actually have some slides for that. So here's what I want for you to do. And I mean this seriously, grab your phone, go to the photo thing. I'm dead serious. Grab it. Come on, grab it. Grab your phone, go to your picture because uh, here are a couple slides with some ideas for you to consider and to consider praying over. All right. What? (laughs) 
let me explain this. Uh, take a picture of a side screen and a center screen. Those of you who are at home, uh, our, our tech crew and come crew is so amazing. There should be a QR uh, code on your screen. Take your photo, go up there, it'll take you, you can get it. Uh, these same slides as well. Uh, let me explain to you. We have on the top on the side screen, 1 Corinthians 13. This was from our first Sunday about love. Hey, listen, if we do not have love here, we have what? We have nothing. And it lists things, that gets your mind. Maybe there's something on there that it's like that, Lord, that's what you want me to be growing in. Uh, fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians chapter five. Similarly, these kinds of things with that. And then I just decided to go a whole hog and center the screen is A to Z. Just like I just decided I'm just gonna put down a whole list of possible areas or ideas. They can be character issues. They can be life issues with what's going on. But pick one uh, that is, you can tell anyone, and one that is just between you and the Lord, and we're gonna be going at it all together. And, and I'll finish with this item, a couple items of encouragement as you think and pray over this. This is about life with the Lord. This is not a self-help, self-improvement process. Okay, this is not a worldly thing, this is a spiritual thing. This is about maturing in our walk with Christ. And I wanna get after that, and I wanna get after that for God's glory. It's a spiritual thing. I want to encourage you, one to two words. One to two words with this. Hey, what are you growing in? I'm, by God's grace, I'm seeing you to grow in, boom. And not a sentence, not a paragraph, not an explanation, just what it, what it is, just a couple words. A specificity over generality. I realize that some of these, uh, like uh, fruit of the spirit is love. Like love is a pretty big category. Okay, but what about love? Love the Lord, love others, love someone, loving others who are, who are uh, bringing tribulation into my life. What is it? Uh, specificity over generality. They use biblical words. Use biblical words, that'll come later in the series. And the last thing I'll say this is, start with hitting singles. I've observed with people over the years and decades now that when you talk about wanting to grow and change, we generally wanna go for the fence. And maybe it is a situation like for Sarah, where it's, I got drug addiction. but it doesn't have to be that just maturity in the Lord. It might be something that's a character. It's a spiritual walk item. Don't try and swing for the fence and particularly not too swinging for the fences. Singles are good. Singles are good. Doug, why are we doing this whole thing? Because I want us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I am concerned after all the time spent over these five months, I'll even just say it straight up, with all the time I'm putting into this and trying to pull this together and wrap it together and some of this practical, I'm concerned it's going to end up just being information that's by hearers. And if we don't have something we're going after, the series is just going to end up as good thought. We're going to be hearers, not doers only. Uh, secondly, I want us to go deep together. I think there is something amazing about being a church where all of us are working on something we can communicate with one another in the hall. You don't even know someone. You walk up to them, hey, what's your thing you're growing in? I'm growing in. I just think that, by the way, from God's seat, 
let's just say a thousand people who are, have a couple things growing in a church together that they're working to go after, I just cannot get away from the fact that must just be a pleasing aroma unto the Lord. So Sunday, March 6th, I want for you to have those selected. And I will be asking you for what your one you can tell anyone is. And in fact, we're going to have a means of which I can get that from you. And that is actually going to influence the series in June as I pick some particular subjects to talk about. And I want it to come from you. All right? Lord, we're diving into your word now. Everybody open your Bible. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We're doing a looking back right now in this Growing Forward series. Where did we come from? How did we get here? What happened <laughs> in it all? We're, we're, we're going after those. Uh, we're at the big point of the text here. We're only going to spend about 20, 20 some minutes here today in chapter 2 uh, today, and, and that's okay. And, and it's big picture. We're not getting into all the curious items. We're not getting into all the potential conversations. Uh, I'm wired about what's the big point of the text. Because let me just lay out where this looking back is going for you so you just know right up front. Last Sunday, Genesis 1 through chapter 2, verse 3 was about created by God. Why should we grow and change? Answer, because you and I were created by God. That's why. That's why it's important. Because we are not here by some random mistake. Hey, friend, you're not some atheistic uh, cellular uh, mishap. God created you and us. And that matters on even this whole subject. Therefore, my life has importance to the Lord laying the foundation. Today is going to be the rest of Genesis chapter 2, placed by God. Adam and Eve are placed by God. So cool. Oh, so cool. Oh, by the way, you have been placed by God. You're here. You're on this earth. God didn't just make you, but you are placed by God. More of that all in fun. Next Sunday, I'm taking a one-off Sunday, and I'm doing why I'm a seven-day, literal seven-day creation guy. You may have a different view on that. That's okay. We're going to have fun with it, and I want to try and have a conversation on how people can actually have conversations and not get mad. Seriously, because we live in a mad world. Sunday, March 6, Genesis 3, broken by choice. That's when they bite it. Broken by choice. Why do I have to grow and change? Because even we ourselves are broken by choice. And then fourth, Sunday, March 13th, Psalm 139. Oh, I love this. Sorry. You and I are known and pursued by God. Oh, that's awesome. So let's get into Genesis chapter to be patient with the series. Let it unfold. We're building a basis here. Let's go deep. Let's go deep. Let's go deep. Last Sunday, Genesis 1, created by God. Today, Genesis 2, placed by God. Verse 4, chapter 2. These are the generations, or this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God, it's Jehovah Elohim, if you were here last Sunday, uh, it was just Elohim, now a different term, I don't have time today to go into it, but it's just cool here, Jehovah Elohim made the earth 
and the heavens. I'll just tell you, as you're reading along and you get through uh, the first verses of chapter two and the Lord rests on the seventh day and then you come into this, it, it just naturally you go, oh, I'm a little bit lost here. Well, let me explain something to you what's going on here because it tells us about the whole book of Genesis. Uh, I have English Standard Version and right before verse four, there's this heading that says the creation of Adam and Eve. I appreciate those headings many times that we just put in to help us kind of guide ourselves a big picture of it if we don't know the text and, and that's very helpful. But man, it gets in the way here because we read that heading and then we read the next thing and we're like, I'm already confused with what this is doing. Let me just show you. Uh, this is a heading that actually carries on through chapter four. Uh, take a look over at chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Take a look at chapter 6, verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Take a look at chapter 10, verse 1. These are the generation of the son of Noah. There are 11 of these statements throughout the book of Genesis. The one in chapter two, verse four is the first one. That is actually how, uh, when Moses is putting this down, that's actually how it's laid out. There are 11 sections in the book of Genesis with chapter one through chapter two, verse three, almost being like the introduction. And so uh, that statement there is a heading for what's going on. Well, I say that because you read in, you get there, and you can easily get lost with what's going on. And what we are about to read is a section here and through chapter two. It connects back to chapter one, I believe, verse uh, chapter one, verse 26, 27, where it says that God created mankind in his own, in his own image. Um, uh, this is explaining more of that, but this is not here. I don't think this is here first and foremost to explain the details of chapter one as it is to bounce off of chapter one, explaining some details that get us prepared for chapter three. What we're gonna learn today, if we didn't know this information on the table, chapter three would not make sense. Okay, so I think this is getting the information going with what's taking place. It is a tighter detail on the creation of Adam and Eve, and yet it's, it's giving us the information that we need to understand not only chapter three, but then everything that unfolds out of that. That's verse four. Uh, let me read verses five through nine. When, after this heading, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field was yet sprung up, almost like parentheses here, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to put the work, uh, to work the ground and a mist was coming up from the land, watering the whole face. The, hey, if you're ever wondering, it just, uh, it's kind of like some information. It wasn't raining in that day. God just took care of it all through a mist from the ground. Okay, listen, don't get stuck on it. Don't go to science world with me. Let's meet God here in the text. Because actually, verse 5 begins with when, and then look at verse 7, then. Then the Lord God formed or shaped the man. It's def definite article. It's a male form of the word. It's not talking about mankind. It's not talking about humankind. It's talking about a, a, a male. When God formed the, formed the man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature, a living being. Uh, pause, this is so cool. It's like God, like, uh, out of, he's telling us more about what he did. By the way, I don't think this is figurative language, and I think I can prove it in the next paragraph. I think what we're really understanding is how God did it. Out of the dust of the ground, 
God, I don't know, did he do the arms and the legs? <laughs> God forms man and Life comes from the life giver. By the way, there is a sermon in that about salvation in Christ. Life comes from the life giver. Adam didn't earn it, nor can you and I. It comes from the life giver. He breathed into the nostril the breath of life and he be alive. Verse 8, and, like chapter 1, and is this ongoing connection, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. Love that. Listen, we already know out of chapter 1 that God created everything, and here's, this is the earth, okay? God created the earth, and yet on the earth, God's like, I'm going to make a garden. Now, we live in a neighborhood with like, I don't know, uh, an eighth of an acre or whatever this is. And with it all, I have my six tomato plants that I do kind of out in the back so it doesn't annoy people uh, with it. Uh, but that's my garden. You, you have a garden? You know, I'll tell you, when you plant your garden, your hands are all in it and you think about it. And, and it's like, don't mess my garden, man. It's mess my garden. Like keep the dogs away from it and the raccoons away from it. That's my garden. Can I pause for us just under, this is God's garden on earth. He created this awesome place and then he's like, oh, I'm going to do, by the way, the word Eden means delight. God creates this delightful spot. Like everything else is cool, but this is one like cool plus because it's the garden of delight. <laughs> however he did that. And God is working this. Hang with me. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, uh, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. I'm understanding God didn't pull from his garden to make the man from the text, but he here formed, and then he, and then he, There. Out of anywhere on the earth, God could have put this man. And yet, God puts him in his garden. His garden. Don't mess with my garden, man. And he puts him right there in the garden of delight, not the garden of lousy. Not the garden of annoying or ugly. God's garden of delight. And out of the ground, where he told more, out of the ground the Lord God made to spring every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And I think this has to do with his garden. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. The tree of knowledge was in, of good and evil is in the garden. He like made it special. And he's not like stay away from it. He's like, put you in it. There is so much we are being told about our God right there. He loves you. Our creator God loves you.
He is not seeking bad for us. He is seeking to place us in the place of delight. Things got broken. That's in two weeks. Verse 10, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is uh, uh, Pishon, and uh, it, uh, uh, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good, and bdellium and onyx stone are there, and the name of the second river is the Gihon, and it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush, and the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. And I'm just going to make this comment. It, this doesn't sound like the land of Oz. This doesn't sound like a Lord of the Rings land. This doesn't sound, this sounds like real places. Listen, let me tell you throughout Scripture, going in and out of illustrations or uh, uh, allegory or metaphors. It, it doesn't work that way. If this is literal, I'll let you ponder through that. By the way, it's interesting how we're like, where's the Garden of Eden? Let's go find it. I think sometimes we forget, well, there was like a worldwide flood kind of changed everything. Sometimes it's just good to let the Lord have what the Lord has and rest in that. Verse 15, uh, Jehovah Elohim took the man, put him in the garden of delight to work it and keep it. Again, it's repeated. It's like, just in case you didn't get it a little bit ago, let me remind you what God did. He put him in the garden of delight to work it and keep it. By the way, work is not a result of the curse of sin. In fact, I think sometimes people have this imagery that the eternal state, uh, heaven with the Lord is going to be this, you know, floating on clouds playing this. I'm just so sorry, but that just sounds boring to me. I actually think it's going to be a return to this, where it's like, you're in my garden now. Sin is taken care of and gone. Work my garden and we're going to delight in it. Hands in it, digging in it for all of eternity. Oh, I think now I'm on game with that. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of the tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, uh, you will surely die. Uh, let me just observation. This is God's garden. It's a garden of delight. God put uh, uh, this man there, uh, the man uh, from the text, he put him there and God said, this is how it works. I put you in my garden of delight. Everything, I just got one thing. Just one thing, just not that. How many things? One, just not that. Can I say, what's so unreasonable about that? I'm dead serious on this. Like, why can't God just go, not that one? Just not that. But, but you know, we're kind of like Adam and Eve, and we have this way about questioning God's goodness. Hmm, yeah. And uh, in that, uh, I am now about to read you the longest quote I have ever read on any Sunday in the almost 14 years of this church. 
It's uh, four slides, two paragraphs on each slide, and I'm going to read this because it says it better than I could say it and more concisely, even as long as it is. It's from Henry Morris, from his book called The Genesis Record, pages 90 to 91, and it says this. Because the question comes out, I'm sorry, the question comes out, why did God make it possible for him to bite it? Adam had been created in the image of God and was given dominion over the entire physical and biological creation. That's an amazing thing. Even the angels had been created for a ministry which was in relation to humanity and its destiny. Furthermore, The world in which Adam was to live, and especially the beautiful garden, which would be his headquarters, was a perfect environment in every way. Because it's a garden of delight. No physical, mental, or spiritual need that he might have would be withheld, but unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required, Luke 12, 48. Here the question must be raised as to the purpose of man's creation. The triune God had existed from eternity without men. Why why would he now create man and a space-time universe in which man would dwell? Great question. It is impossible to answer such a question apart from divine revelation. Preach. We ourselves are a part of this creation and are therefore in no position to judge our creator. The fact that he created man is sufficient proof in itself that he had no reason to do so. What God God does must be right and must be rational. By definition, shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Romans 9.20. Such revelation as God has given us on the subject at least assures us that God is a God of what? Love. And that he loves all people. Man was created at God's will and pleasure, Revelation 4.11. And he intends to demonstrate the exceeding riches of his grace on man's behalf through all ages to come. Thus, there can be no doubt that God's nature of love was central to his purpose of creating men and women In some mysterious depths of God's own nature, there seems to have been a desire for other spiritual personalities other than within the Godhead itself on whom he could bestow his love. But love is a reciprocal relationship. Let me say that one more time. Henry Morris says, but love is a reciprocal relationship. One cannot really love an inanimate object, though such a term is often carelessly used. Furthermore, love, with, love uh, which is requited, which means not returned, is one of the great tragedies of human life. For love to be expressed in all its fullness, there must be mutual love. Each for the other, and a perfect creator could hardly be satisfied with an imperfect love relationship, therefore. Therefore, if God created people with the purpose of bestowing his love on them, his purpose must also have included a mutual and reciprocated love on their parts. But love by its very nature must be voluntary. An automaton cannot love its maker. 
If they are really to love God, men and women must be able to choose their own will to love God. Choose of their own will to love God in response to God's love for them. An involuntary love is a contradiction in terms and there can be no such thing. On the other hand, on the other hand, if Adam was free to love God on his own initiative, he was obviously free also not to love God. If he was able to make the right moral choice, he was necessarily able to also make the wrong moral choice. God's creation of morally free spiritual beings in his own image clearly must run the risk of having them reject him and his love. It must involve a probationary period to allow them a free decision. I'm going to leave it there. Ponder through that. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper, a helpmate fit for him. Like, what do you mean? Well, now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he had called them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens, beasts of the field. But for Adam, Adam, there was no, not found a helper fit for him. Can you just imagine like I see elephant and elephant, that looks cute. And I see alligator, alligator, they're a team. And I see dog and dog and there and cat and cat and mouse and mouse and they're a team. Is someone beginning to understand that something's missing with me? Hey friends, God does things in a way that teaches. And here, literally, Adam, I believe, is being brought along. Adam? Let me help you see something here. They have teammates. You don't have a like teammate. Verse 20. The man gave names to all of them. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a heavy sleep, a deep sleep, to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs. I actually think the idea of the Hebrew is took portion of his side and closed up its place with flesh. We have bones and we have flesh. Verse 22, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. First wedding. And the man said, as I've heard it say, whoa, man. And the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I don't have the time, but that's a cool statement. I have a like one. I'm liking this. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become what? One flesh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were ashamed. Why do we care about that? Because that matters for chapter 3. Every creature had a like but unique teammate. 
But you have to remember that mankind in the creation account is created uniquely and something different is going on. So God is intricately involved in what's taking place and all that's happened. And here, he is placed by God, placed in the garden of delight. He is commanded as to how to live in the garden of delight. And now he is partnered as a team, as a family unit, as unique equals. A teammate... It's a helpmate. She was a helpmate to him and he was a helpmate to her. Let me say that again in case someone forgets that. She was a helpmate to him and he was a helpmate to her. That's the design. It's far better in this than when Adam was all by himself. Warren Wearsby said, Genesis 2 introduces us to a series of firsts that are important to us if we want to build our lives according to the basics God has put into his universe. Listen, friends, this is telling us some basics that are foundationally foundational for understanding life. And isn't it fascinating? We come into the first two chapters that are so glorious, and in the very first two chapters of Genesis, there's a tendency within us today, it's like, but I don't like the way God did it that way. You know, why didn't he create the man first and her second? You know, why, why, can I just say, all of that conversation sounds eerily like the same ringtone of Genesis chapter 3. And we bring our modern day pet peeves and issues and personal preferences into the whole of the text and read it out of that instead of sitting back and actually going, oh my goodness, this is glorious. God created, placed, hey, this is how it works. And he's like, uh, can I have a helpmate? He didn't even know that. And God's like, got one for you. And God's like, unique, but team. Equals. You help you, and you help you. And God is awesome. We're going to hold it there. So many other things I want to say. we got to hold it there. So Lord, we come before you right now as we close out of our time in Genesis 2. And I just pray in the room and in the hearts in the room, there would be a sense not of, oh, I have curiosities, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. Oh, God, might, might we just stop? And might we just take a look at you, our creator? You created us. And you did creation in a way that is, yeah, maybe not the way we would do it, but actually you did creation in a way that only you would do it, which is far better. And we adore you for it. And we lift your name high. Created by God. Placed by God. Wow. Our lives matter to you. Lord, do a work in our lives. Would you reveal to us areas of our life that you would like to see us grow in? And as we move along in this series that we would see it come together in the hope that there is. 
I pray for more Bradley and Sarah God at work stories going on. More of that in our lives. All for your glory. You are awesome. In your name, amen.